It reads there, I'm reading on the New Living Translation. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shot out to him, don't do it. We are all here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Silas, Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked them, sir, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you. Lord, and I ask that you just move in people's hearts, people's minds, these next few minutes, Lord God, that we would understand why we're here. It's not simply uh, to be here and live, but why are we here? There's a purpose for every one of us here today. I ask God that you just reveal it to them, minister to the hearts, move, Holy Spirit, in signs and wonders. And we all said, Amen. And amen. Now, it's not often, but every now and then in your life, you'll come to a point where you just don't know what to do. You know, what, what do I do? I remember uh, uh, a few years back, I was under a lot of pressure. Things were happening. You might say like an earthquake. And um, my father had passed away. He's been passed away about, what's been 15 years, something like that? And then a couple years later, was the next year, huh? The following year, my pastor died. And these were the, the men uh, that, if I had a, a question about life, I go, what, what must I do? What, what should I do? Well, they were gone. So that's a, that's a, that's a weird realization. They were gone. And I go, man, I wish, I wish they were here now. Um, so I think we all come to a point where you're going to, what, what do I got to do? And that's the story here. Uh, this man who had, who had witnessed Paul and a great miracle, the earthquake. And you have to understand, a jailer in biblical times, if anyone escaped from their jail, the penalty for the jailer was death. So he thought everybody escaped. For that reason, he was going to kill himself because he knew he was done. Paul stops him. So this, middle, this man caught in the middle of a miracle was, was unable to reconcile in his mind what had just taken place. He just couldn't figure it out. He was confused. Confusion can come. I had a story I told you years ago. I'm going to share it again. It was about this pastor because he, he confused the people in the church well, they were looking, they had a pulpit committee, and they were looking for a new pastor, and he comes out, and he preaches, and, 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 and he spoke a sermon. It was 10 minutes long. It was a good sermon, and the people in the church loved it. Wow, 10-minute sermon. We're going to hire this guy, right? So then they hired him. The next time he preached, he preached for 30 minutes. Well, they weren't too upset. They said, okay. The next week, he almost preached for two hours. The deacons met him, and, you know, they're trying to find out what's going on here. He could look, the first time we heard you preach, you know, you know, you were sure what's, what's really happening. Well, he, he, he said, well, I had a, a new set of dentures. 
in my mouth, and they hurt so bad that I, I could only speak for 10 minutes. And I really had to stop talking, preaching because of the pain. He goes, okay, well, what about the second time? Well, the second time he said my dentures felt fine, so I preached my normal time, 30-minute sermon. Well, okay, then what, what explains the two-hour sermons? You got to let me know, why would you preach for two hours? He goes, well, he said, that's easy. That particular morning, by accident, I put on my wife's dentures, and when I began to talk, I couldn't shut up. Confusion sometimes comes from unknown places. Amen? See, confusion means it throws you off. It, it, it disturbs the mind. Uh, it can cause a blur, jumble up thoughts. Other related words are complicated, confound, mixed up. See, it's a frame of mind uh, uh, that the enemy loves to capture you in. He's always trying to throw confusion into our lives. See, it is, it is in this frame of mind that the enemy puts, in, and be it at your salvation, if you don't know the Lord, you're coming to the Lord, you want to know the Lord, or you know life is not the way it should be, and you want to change, and you want, as you get closer and closer to God, the enemy's plan is to throw confusion. Then if you get past that first bump, the first steps into, into your Christian life, he'll, he'll sow some more confusion. And listen, when he sows confusion, he normally uses a person next to you, closest to you, or someone near you, or perhaps you've gone past that and you want to get more involved. You're thinking, you know, maybe I'll get involved in the church. The enemy doesn't want you involved. He wants you isolated. He wants you on your own. He wants you out there where he can have his way at you. So he throws more confusion. Or maybe you're involved and you're thinking God has a call in your life. Maybe you're called to be a pastor, and that would not be strange because all of our pastors, 80% of our pastors come out of the homes. And the enemy said, no, you're not a pastor. You can't do it. You're like that guy. You're, you're on heroin. You're on dope. You're on this. You can't be a pastor. Well, we killed that a long time ago. I mean, this pastor did his fair share of drugs. I'm not proud of it. But God delivered me. Not only delivered me, he restored my mind. I thank God for my wife because she never did any drugs. But I think I did too much for both of us. Amen. But God is able to, to redeem so you want to get involved, you think you're capable, I'm here to tell you, you are capable. If you're breathing your life, you're capable, you are qualified. So if you're in the home, you're wondering, what the heck am I doing in the home? Well, that's your fault. Amen. God created the home for knuckleheads and, and, and you applied. You applied by your lifestyle, by your drug convictions, by your, your, your warrant arrest, by your prison sentence, by all the strange thinking we were taught in the world. You volunteered, so welcome. We're glad to have you. Amen? See, as powerful as our salvation is, there are some very important decisions that need to, you always have to keep uh, reminding yourself. Questions will arise in your mind as you're walking. Because, again, the enemy wants to always throw you off your track. I mean, in Jesus' day, in Luke, they talked about a time where a, a religious expert of the law stood up to Jesus and asked him a, a, a question. He goes, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Unlike the jailer, initial, who was sincere, this man was there not because he really wanted another question. He tried to, he wanted to trick Jesus. He wasn't sincere. So if you're sincere, you'll find an answer. But if you're like this, this man, you, you'll just deepen your grave. See, the man, it says there in Luke 10, 29, the, the man just wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus another question. Who's my neighbor? 
You know, because they said love your neighbor as yourself and love God. And those two commandments, everything is fulfilled. Well, this wise guy said, well, who's my neighbor? See, he wasn't sincere in his action. He just wanted to justify that he wasn't doing the things with his neighbor that he should. He wanted to trick Jesus, confusing the issue. So you'll have a lot of confusion prior to your salvation, right? And you you got to understand, before your salvation, the Bible says that you were at enmity with God. Enmity, not enemy, enmity. Enmity is a deep-rooted hatred. Huh? Enmity. There was a hatred between your lifestyle and who you are and God. You can't get away with it. Well, people say, well, I love God. You love God? Okay. Prove it. Show me. What have you done for God? How have you, how have you expressed your love? It's easy. Words are very cheap, especially in this day and age. Words don't mean as much as they did in times past. So we can say a lot of stuff, but show me. Hmm? See, in Genesis 3.15... The, the war began then. Enmity. Remember, deep-rooted hatred. In Genesis 3.15, it says, uh, uh, this is out of the Message Bible, and God is dealing with man and woman. He goes, I am declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Now, he's talking to the devil now. He goes, I'm declaring war. So you were at enmity. See, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Not just the, the enemy, the, the devil, but the system that he's created, all this around him. It is that enmity with God. So anything we involve ourselves with that pulls us from our relationship with God is the enemy. Hmm? And whether we like it or not, we all have a propensity to love the world. Amen? Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Amen. Come on, yeah, you do. We all love the world, right? When, that, when, when, when somebody comes with your neighbor or your friend drives by, in that new BMW, you said, dang, I want one of those. Right? Yeah, you do. And it's why, because all these are items of the world, and they're tantalizing. And again, I've said many times, those things ain't bad. It's not bad to have those things, but it's bad when those things have you. And that's what we're talking about here. Huh? 1 John 2, 15 reads like this. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. So prior to salvation, we're isolated from God. We're away from God. Huh? And so the way we thought uh, or think keeps us from God. Our thinking. We don't think like God wants us to think. We have, we have our own way. It's called the carnal mind, that, that fleshly desire. Hello, somebody. Right? That fleshly desire. That, 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 why, why do men act like dogs at times? Well, that's another message. Why, why, why are women trying to manipulate? Well, that's another message. But you're talking about, but these are the things that we got to deal with. Who let the dogs out? Roof, roof. You did because you're the dog. <laughs> Romans 8, 7 reads like this. The sinful mind. Now, don't look to your neighbor. Look to yourself. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Now, the qualifying word word there is controlled. Controlled. Because we all have that sinful nature. Right? Every one of us. 
There's no, no unrighteousness, no, not one. So it's not an issue if there is a sinful nature. There is. Whether you think you're the virgin Mary or not, there's a sinful nature in there. Right? That's why I like dealing with drug addicts. Right? You know why? Because you ain't got to tell them they're a sinner. They know. You ain't got to say, you're a sinner. Duh. <laughs> I know. I could have told you that. But when you, give, when you deal with those goody-goodies, like my wife was talking about, she didn't know my message. When you deal with those goody-goodies, right, they, they ain't even broke a dish. They think they're all that in a bag of chips. Those are the most sinful. Well, the, the, the benefit they have is they have more finances so they can buy better clothes and nicer cologne. But spiritually, they stink just the same. Hmm? So we have to realize that before God, you're at enmity with God, and the only thing you deserve is hell. God's grace and his love and mercy allows us, gives us a way out. That should compel us to want to do something. Huh? See, focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone absorbed in self ignores God. Right? So we all, we all took time getting ready. Right? Iron your clothes. You got the construction crew up. <laughs> Fixed it all up. You're going outside, right? Going to look nice. Right? Took time. Some of you take a little bit of time. Others take more time. Whatever. We don't care how long it goes. If the barn needs painting, what do I say? Paint it. Huh? You spend time. But how much time do you spend with God? See, we're self-absorbed. I got to look good. I got to look fine. Yeah. That guy's going to be there. That girl's going to be there. I got to look good. Dun, 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 dun. Right? You got to look good, right? Well, you should have that same attitude, but man, I, I'm going to go see God. I, I better check my heart. I, got, I better see if I offended anybody. I got to look good because I'm going to go before God. Spend some time there. Hello. Anybody, come on. Am I talking to the right church here? Huh? See, the person that ignores God... If he's just focusing on himself. And God isn't pleased when he is ignored. So that state of carnality, we all come into that into salvation in that state. All of us. As a result, confusion tries to take its offensive. That's the easiest time to get you while you're still at that initial state of carnality. Huh? When you're in the home. Right? When you're barely new and you're hearing this preacher for the first time, you're saying, this, this fool's crazy. I might be. You think I'm crazy now? You should have seen me before I met the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen? So you can't allow confusion to come in because you're going to go through certain stages, right? When salvation happens, you put certain principles in regard to your relationship into action. Then you begin to operate a little different. And then also your loved ones begin to see, hey, you know, something happened. You're different. They begin to see your transformation, your transformation, and in fact, they get happy. You know, if, if you're out and locked up and you come out and, you're, and they, they put you in the home and all of a you're changing, you're not cussing no more, you're looking good, they go, wow, something's happening to you. Oh, we like whatever happened, whatever is going on, that's good stuff. They like it until you start saying, you need to go to church. Hey, shut up. Don't be, don't be preaching to me, man. We, we sent you in the home just to get right. Don't, don't come out and be a preacher. Well, that's too bad. That's what we bring them in the home to make them preachers. Huh? You're good as long as you ain't bothering them. Huh? Your friends begin to respond in total rejection. Why? Don't, don't, see, if you go in the home and you go back to your old friends, I know why you're in the home. You're stupid. 
stupidity gets you. Hey, you don't, you don't go back to your old friends because the, the old friends are the ones that got you in the home. You need new friends, godly friends, huh? ones who love the Lord. Other friends, people maybe are, are, are love the Lord and going to school, love the Lord and starting a business, love the Lord. You don't go back to your old friends. You got to change your way. Huh? Don't allow, because when you go back, the confusion starts kicking in again. The appetites, that flesh starts rising up again. Hebrews 12, 1 reads, Therefore we are also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight, the weight, those things that hold you back, those things that hold you down. We all have them. They're all different. There's something that holds you down. you got to let go of that stuff. It's like me. When I came to the Lord, I came from a rugged neighborhood. I wasn't going to go hang out with my homeboys. They were all drug dealers. What going to do? Be a preacher amongst drug dealers? No, I had, to, I had to find new friends. I had to find other dealers. Instead of dealing dope, we started dealing hope. Huh? Go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. We ain't doing that no more. Like I always said, the only line I do now is out of the Bible. So God so loved the world. That was a good one. I made my, old, my eyes roll back. Amen. Well, therefore, since we are so surrounded by God of witnesses, well, I love that line. You got you to change your style. You got to change what you do. If you go back to the same thing, like the Bible says, like a dog returning to its vomit. And we're surrounded by people. Huh? And really, even your friends, those who may reject you, most people, all people, want to believe in something greater than themselves. They want something. Whether you know it or not, they want what you have. You just got to stick it up. They want to know that you're for real. They're going to test you. Are you a fake and a fraud? They want to know, are you the real deal or are you just going through a fad? And my, my friends, my close friends said, oh, come on, man, let's go out there. I, 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 I'm saved now. I accept the Lord. Oh, you'll be back. Paul Triana, a good friend of mine. You'll be back. That was 33 years ago. I still ain't went back. Huh? Uh, no, no. We got we to gotta move on to greater and better things. Amen? See, salvation makes you too good to be true. It does. Why, why don't you cuss anymore? Or let's say, why, why are you limiting the amount of cussing you're doing? Because I know some of you guys, you come to church and you go out there, you're still cussing. We've we got to work on that, amen? <laughs> Eventually, you know, but you gotta, you got to work on that one. Or, 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 or why, the, why is she always talking about God? All right? They begin to look at you. He doesn't want to date or have sex outside of marriage, something must be wrong with him. Is he a homosexual now? Is he gay? They're going to start putting all kinds of stuff to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want to stay pure. I want to stay right before God. And then we can, then we can you know, come with me to the gospel. But you got to get, you got, you got to get saved and get right and do it right. Amen? Yeah, that's right. See, a trial arrives, and you make it through with flying colors, because now you're beginning to understand the things of God. You know what I mean? You know those natural trials like when you're at work, you didn't punch out your boss. Hey, man, that was a good trial. You made it. These other trials that come your way, you didn't, you, you didn't yell at your neighbor. You didn't, even, you didn't even give sign language to the driver who slammed his brakes on you. Right? You're changing. No more road rage. Then here it comes. They're here because you're doing good, right? Then here it comes. Because this is a victory outreach. Then we say, 
you need to get plugged in. What? Plugged in? What, what does that mean? You just got to get plugged into the church. Well, 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 I just came to church. You know, I just came to church to get saved. So did I. And then, and then I stood too long and they made me a pastor. That's, what, that's, what, that's exactly what happened. Stood too long. Then they started calling me pastor. And they go, hey, pastor. I'm looking around like, who are they talking to? Me? Yeah. That's how it happens, man. Because God wants to plug you in. He didn't bring you in here just to come church and pay your respects. So now I was, I was, I was kind of raised in another religion. Some people think, well, all we got to do is, is go to church and pay our respects. I do not see that one time in the Bible. That is never said in the Bible. Never. That is a man-created philosophy to keep people from getting involved. God saved you because he wants to use you. God saved you because there's a purpose for your life. And if, and, if he's, and if you got saved and then you've done nothing for God, I'm going to declare that you never got saved. There's something that God has for you. And what has happened, the confusion of the world, the lies of the enemy have kept you from your God-given purpose in life. It's a plan for you. That's why you were born. That's why your daddy chased your mama to have you because God had a plan. Amen? So we have to understand, see, the confusion of the walk into involvement, right? Up to this point, the devil has tried his best to hinder you. Some people backslide, others fantasize about the past and the world and how they had it better. Huh? You're thinking about these other things. Well, no, no, no. What's happening is confusion. God wants you to get involved. Why? Because he wants to grow you. He wants to disciple you. He wants to train you. But you have to do it. No one else can make it. And the moment it happens, all of a sudden you start getting real busy. All of a sudden you, get a, uh, you have to do overtime on Sundays and you can't make it on Wednesdays. And, you, and the discipleship, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so busy I can't do it. Keeping you from where God has you. God wants to begin to disciple you, train you. Say, somebody say amen. amen. Uh, see, some play with that temptation. Well, I'm, I'm not going to do it. You can't play around with, with the call of God. Don't tempt it. It's like this, how do I say now, don't, don't raise your hand. If anybody had a drinking problem, not that anybody in this church would have a drinking problem, but if anybody had a drinking problem, I would advise you, this is common sense, when you go to the store, don't walk down the beer aisle. I mean, like, duh, but if, it's just simple. Why would you do that to yourself? So there's certain things. God wants to take you in the ministry. He wants to get you involved. And all of a sudden, those, tempta- those things that tempted you begin to pop up. It's like that homeboy who never give you high, never give you nothing, shows up, wants to get you loaded. You know that's the devil. Because the devil knows you're getting ready to take the next step. And as you get closer and closer to God and begin to get more fortified, you become more of a threat to him. So his goal is to keep you, to keep you being a docile Christian rather than more than a conqueror. He doesn't want you to gain the ability to rebuke him and bind him. No, he wants you to just pay your respects. Pay your respects. Don't rebuke me and bind me. Just pay your respects. But you got to get in. You got you to you get together, right? Huh? And then he'll throw sin at you because sin isolates, separates, and destroys. And if he can get you to sin, then he's got you. Here you are. You're doing well. You've been doing good. You're in a church. And all of a sudden, boom, sin. Now he's got you. Why? Because once you're sin, 
You, can't, you don't have that authority. You've rejected the anointing of God. You've rejected what he's given you. And now you're just like open game. Like a sitting duck on the pond. Quack, quack, bam. Amen? See, separation is the first step towards the world. And we're called to separate ourselves toward the Lord. Unfortunately, many people, because of their will, they, they, they find themselves leaving the Lord and his people. Separation is the subtle move towards a much more dangerous position. Separation is very subtle. Then the, the, the worst, worst is isolation. Isolation, I call it, is the curing agent of deception. See, if he can get you alone, then all you got is your mind. And you're thinking by yourself. And there's a danger when a person thinks by himself. Because there's nobody there next to him to say, that was stupid. Why would you think like that? It's just you and your delusion. And then you get to reason your way in your path. Isolation is very dangerous. That's what the Bible says, in the counsel of many is wisdom. Never says, just be by yourself, stay alone and do your own thinking and make your own choices. Never says that. In the counsel of many, there is wisdom. That's why we cannot neglect the, the assembly of the saints, as is the habit of many. Why? Because in the counsel of many, you begin to get better thinking, better thoughts. Hmm? It's, it's a safety valve. God said about man, it is not good for man to be alone. See, those who live in isolation trap themselves in the pride of their life. Psalms 31, 23 reads, Love God, all you saints. God takes care of all who stay close to him. But he pays back in full those arrogant enough to go it alone. That's heavy. That's heavy stuff right there. See, destruction, then you go from there, and destruction is the promise of sin. Huh? Philippians 13, 18 through 20 reads like this, rather, Philippians 3, 18 through 20. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. See, in your spirit, you hear the instruction to get involved. Confusion arises because our flesh wants its own way. Involvement is very vital. See, when we tell you guys need to get involved, it's not for the benefit of the ministry. Although your involvement will help the ministry, but that's not the key to that point. The, 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 the reason why we all think you need to get involved is because we know the tactics of the enemy, and involvement is for your benefit. It's for, yeah, that's where you get under the umbrella, the, the, the protection of the Holy Spirit. See, when you're outside of the umbrella and it rains, you're going to get wet. But when you're in the umbrella, you're protected. And whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, we're on a spiritual battle. There are demonic forces that are after your soul. They want to kill you. They want to destroy you. And God has developed this method of, uh, of involvement, this method of fellowship, this method of, of walking with God as a safety net for all people. That's why they're, they're everywhere. You have to have these bodies. Uh, so involvement then means committing. Maybe that's the real problem. I don't want to commit. You know, I know these people are all nice and everything, but, you know, I just wanted to come to church. I didn't want to commit. Besides, you know, did you see that brother over there with those tattoos? He looks scary. 
You see that other person, the big giant mustache and the beard? And that's how I'm talking about the women. No, I'm just kidding. The other no one. So they want to come here. They want to sneak in and sneak out. Right? Uh, they don't know why I just came here to visit. Involvement is good for you. It's for your good. Involvement ushering God's spirit. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there God is. Not when you're alone. Involvement brings you in contact with good people. That's, that's probably the best thing. Like we have our life group. Good people. Get to meet each other. Sometimes we just need to talk to each other. I'm writing a story of, a, of an elderly woman. Mammy was her name. And she made frequent trips to the bench, to the branch post office. She would always go to the post office. One day, she confronted a very long line. The people were there waiting for service from the clerks, you know. And Mammy, all she needed was stamps. So the helpful observer went up to her and said, why don't you use the stamp machine over there? You can get all the stamps you want, and then you don't have to wait in this long, long line. Mammy said, I know. But the machine can't ask me, how is my arthritis going? The machine can't tell me, how's your day? The machine did not respond when I say, that's a nice dress you have on. The machine is just a machine. Sometimes we need people. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. We need each other. Because we live in a world that's become extremely impersonal. We don't talk no more. We don't talk no more. We text. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm getting intimate with my friend right now. That's all you do. The enemy is setting people up. They're getting used to being alone, isolated, vulnerable to attack in the mind. Sometimes you've got to put that down and have a conversation. Huh? That's what church bodies are for. Let's talk. Can we talk? Huh? You could take care of number, numerous business transactions without dealing with people directly. I understand. And I do understand. I hate, one thing I hate, I love people. I hate malls. Anybody love malls? Some people love malls. I'm going to go to a mall. We're going to go to a mall. I'm going to the mall. I hate malls. Right? That's, a, that's the only time I thank God for online shopping. I don't talk to nobody. I just order my tennis shoes. And if I don't like it, I send them back. If I like them, eh, they're pretty good. Oh, and I do that. I love that. I, that's the only thing that's good for me. But I need people to talk, eat with, fellowship. You know, go, let's go out and eat. Now you don't have to go out and eat. Oh, my God. You don't have to go out and eat. You have Uber Eats. What's the other one? Grubhub. Grubhub? Grubhub. You just, and it's like, wow. Everything, everything. And, and those are good things, but don't forget that we need each other. Don't you dare Grubhub me and expect me to go pray for you. Uh-uh. Hey, can you pray for me on Grubhub? No, I ain't gonna pray for you. I hope you get indigestion, amen? So when you talk with people, most of them aren't going to ask you about your arthritis. They're not, they're not going to get into it, but you, you have to find somewhere where you can open up. Huh? Don't just use Facebook. And believe me, just because you have a bunch of likes doesn't mean people like you. They don't like you. Wow, I have 120 likes. So what? But people are into that. 
Right? They're like, ooh, wow. I don't know, man. We, people need human contact. Uh, so, do you know, even in, in any type of punishment, solitary confinement is the most severe punishment that a prisoner can receive. Just being in the hole. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You just let me out. No, you want to act bad? I'm going to keep you in the hole. I know some brothers have been in the hole for months, eight months straight. And you could you be confined like that, you start talking to the beetles and making the little bugs your friend. Hey, what's happening, George? A little, little bug going by the ants. You start naming the flies. Right? Solitary confinement. And if that's, if that's the most severe form of punishment, why would we inflict that upon ourselves? Why would we do that? Because the enemy wants to confuse you. We need each other. Come on, look to your neighbors. I need you. Come on now, look to your other neighbors. I need you. We need each other. People need each other, right? So as Christians, we need to be sensitive to the need that people have to be touched and cared for. Romans 14, 7, as I'm coming in for my conclusion, none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. Psalms 133 reads, How wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters get along. That is the greatest. You know, when, when, and I see it, you know, you're, you're in a church, you see people arguing and fighting. I say, oh, my gosh. I feel like Rodney King. Can we all just get along? Remember, a guy, you guys don't remember that? Look that up. Google it. Can we all just get along? Right? We've got to go learn how to get along. Amen? And then the next step is God wants to take you really, because God wants you, every one of you, to have your own ministry. Now, it may not be a formal ministry like this, but you, you'll have some, something to do. That, you know, we have life groups, make a life group leader, or you might even get involved in children's church or whatever, but God wants you to be involved in ministry. Why? Because God will begin to bless you and show you the scripture in a completely different light. In other words, why should God show you anything in scripture if you're not going to do anything with it? So the way to put God on check when I say check, you know, I'm using that loosely as a rhetorical statement. When the way you put God in your corner, let's put it that way, is when you begin to activate what you learn in the Bible, when you begin to activate what you know, and you might only know one scripture, but you activate it. Now, the Holy Spirit says, okay, I got one. Now he is compelled to give you deeper understanding. Why? Because he knows with the little understanding you have, you begin to give it. As you give it, then he's going to give you more then he gives you more. But if you're isolated and you're not doing it and you're just keeping yourself, you'll probably live, you're stuck in this cycle where you haven't grown. You're just the same person, the same understanding of scripture, the same understanding of people you've had for the last 5, 10, 15, or wherever you're at. But when you begin to activate what little you know, he'll be giving give you more. The Bible says faithful over little, then I'll, I will put you over much. So it's up to you. So that's why we're always pushing. Now, I want you to become a, a scholar. Maybe not have, might have a degree like me, but you'll be a scholar of Scripture because you're beginning to activate what little you know, and also the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you, begin to guide you, begin to give you more. Why? Because now you're putting it to practice. Otherwise, you'll be stuck. Huh? You'll be in a rut. Anybody ever been in a rut? 
See, a rut is no different than a grave. Really. Well, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the dimensions. But it's the same, it's the same place. See, ministry equals access. Oh, I like that. I wrote that down. When you begin to minister, then you have access to the throne of grace. You have access to power. You have access to anointing. You have access. Why? Because you're beginning to minister. I remember the first time I encountered a demon-possessed person. Now, I am not into that kind of stuff because my mother practiced witchcraft. I don't like any of that stuff. But I, would, I learned something in the Bible, and I did it. I learned this, and I did it. I learned that, and I did it. I said, wow, this is heavy stuff. And every time I learned something, I, I tried my best to put it into place right away, right away, right away. So here I am, minding my own business, walking along, right? And a, a, and a person manifests himself demonically and starts squirming on the ground. I go, well, this is heavy stuff. I, ain't never, I didn't go to a demon possession class. I didn't know anything. All I did know is this. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And to my surprise, it worked. And when the guy got rebuked, and I, and I controlled him, and I told him where to walk, and, and he did everything I said, and I go, and I'm, I'm trying to look cool like I knew what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And I go, whoa, that was heavy. And I, saw, I had a little smile, and I'm walking away, and I go, it works. It actually works. See, now you may not relate to what I'm saying. Now listen to this. The reason why most of you have not encountered that is because you're not faithful over your little. Why would God give you that type of anointing if he can't even convince you to tithe faithfully? Why would he give you that type of anointing and power if he can't convince you to get involved? Why would he give you that type of anointing if he can't convince you to use the little you know? See, you, you, you'll never get there until you start getting involved and doing something with it. All you'll do, you'll be watching TV and enjoying these other people on TV. Ooh, that was nice. Ooh, that was powerful. Ooh, ooh. No, no, I, I don't get off on that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't get off and, ooh, wow, look at that brother. No, 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 no. I want, I want some of my own. I want to see what I can do. I, want, I, want, I don't want to just be watching. It's like, okay, it's cool. When I was a kid, play anybody in sports, I wanted to play. I, wanted, I didn't want to be a bench player. I wanted to play. So I practiced, I practiced, I practiced. Well, little I know, I got my, as you know, my problem, I, I, was, I had a back, basketball Jones. I got a basketball Jones, right? I, I loved basketball. Loved it. I break ankles. But, but you know what my problem was? I was a Mexican. Well, Right? And I was 5'9". You can't teach six foot three. You either have it or you don't. And so when I, when, as I in high school, I was good. I'd keep up with everybody. But when I was in college, uh, all these brothers got big. Like, dang. Right? But I would practice, practice. So I go, I know what I got to do. Because these guys are big. I had to develop my three-point shot. If I was going to play, I had to practice. So I practiced. Became a set-up shooter. Spot-up shooter, right? Practice. Why? Because I wanted to get in the game. Practice. That's what you got to do. You want to see God move? You need to practice. Well, I ain't got that skill. You might not have the height. Then you got to become a spot-up shooter. Practice. Practice. Because as you're practicing what God teaches you, then he's going, I'm going to put you in the game. Right? I don't need you now, but I'm going to need you. When I need a spot-up shooter, I'm going to need you. Just like in your teams, you know, everybody's got their role. You got to find your role. Some of you have not found your role in Christ. 
You're, 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 you're satisfied just watching from the sands. Hey, Jesus, that's a good shot. Whoa, that's heavy, brother. You did that with Jesus? Man, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But you're not in the game. God doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to be a participator. To do something for him. To move on the anointing. To move on the power. You got to get in where you fit in. Huh? Huh? David Brainerd, I'm going to end with this. David Brainerd, look him up. Google, very famous missionary, a man of God. I love what he writes. He, oh, they write about him. David Brainerd had such an intense compassion for souls and was so concerned for their salvation that he said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardships I went through so that I could gain, but gain souls for Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamed of these things. And when I awoke, the first thing I thought of was this great work. All my desire was for the conversion of the non-believer, and all my hope was in God. That is what I want to be like. Right there. All this other stuff doesn't matter to me. I want, to, I want to see people saved. That, that, that skit, I had to watch myself. I don't know about you, but it brought me to tears. Because I see, I know there's people out there, laws and trap and pills, sex, cocaine, heroin, you name it, they're out there. And I have the solution. We have the solution. All we have to do is let them know. What little you know, God begins to empower you. But what you have, God begins to move through you. And understand this, and never forget this, God will only work in you as he moves through you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.